So good to see you today. If you're new with us, my name is Ricky. I'm honored to be the lead pastor here at Fort Caroline, and I'm so grateful that you're spending some time with us. In fact, we would love to connect with you. The simplest way to do that is uh, going to our website, fcbc.life, and just click on the Connect card, and we would love to answer your questions or be available to you in any way that we can. And we have things going on for you and for all ages, your kids, your teenagers, and we would love to help you navigate these times. So welcome today. And we're in a new series beginning this month called Plot Twist, the story of Joseph from the Old Testament book of Genesis. Have you ever noticed that we often refer to our own lives in literary terms? Maybe we're dealing with a hard-nosed person at work and we come home and we rant to our spouse and we say, boy, that guy's a character. Or sometimes we're dealing with a problem that is perplexing and we don't know the solution. And people say, well, well what's going on? What are you going to do about it? And we say, I don't know. It's a mystery to me. Or some dramatic change takes place in our lives, something unexpected, something that changes everything, and we say, I didn't see that plot twist. And that's why we're calling this series Plot Twist, because life is filled with those moments where things can change on a dime. I think if you look back on the beginning of this year, 2020, you recognize that one of the worst purchases you ever made was a 2020 planner. Who, who knew that a worldwide pandemic would change everything? And it was a plot twist that we didn't see coming, but we've all had to adjust with it. And one of the challenges of life is seeing the bigger story of your life beyond the immediate story of your life. One of the challenges is seeing the bigger context of your life beyond the immediate circumstances of your life. This is especially true whenever those present circumstances of your life are painful or dark or confusing or hurtful. In those moments, we sometimes struggle to see beyond our current circumstances and see the bigger picture. We struggle to understand how anything good can come out of this chapter of our lives. We, we struggle to even understand how God is at work in our lives, in these present circumstances, in this present chapter of our lives. In fact, I think one of the reasons many people give up on their faith in God is because they experience a painful chapter in their life and they can't make sense of it. And God seems a million miles away if He's there at all. And because of that, they can't see beyond it and they can't see hope and they can't see a future. They can't see anything good coming out of this. It doesn't make sense and they give up. They give in to the temptation that this chapter of my life is actually the totality and summary of my life and there's nothing beyond this and we get discouraged and we all have dark painful confusing chapters of our lives maybe you're in middle school or you're in high school and that person that you thought was your best friend you find out has been gossiping about you behind your back and they've betrayed you and now you feel absolutely broken and lonely Maybe you're a young couple and you're so excited to start a family and, and you get pregnant and you're, you're getting the, the baby room ready and you're getting all the furniture and fixtures ready only to suffer a miscarriage. 
Maybe you're planning your retirement and you're so excited about finally being able to retire. And then a year into your retirement, you get the cancer diagnosis in a short amount of time to live. We all face dark, difficult, painful chapters in our lives. And in those moments, we can lose sight of the fact that God is real. And there is a bigger story than this present story. And there is hope beyond this chapter of our lives. Because this chapter is just a chapter. It is not the totality of the story. That's where our story and our lives intersect with Joseph's story. Like Joseph, we all live in a world filled with ups and downs, with highs and lows, with triumphs and tragedies, with victories and defeats. And we sometimes struggle to make sense of all of that and to remember that God has a bigger story that He is writing. And like Joseph, we can find ourselves in the middle of a plot twist where our whole life and what we thought the future held has been turned upside down. But like Joseph, we can choose to remember this truth, that the story of my life is greater than this chapter of my life. I may be going through a painful chapter. I may be going through a difficult day. But the story of my life is greater than this chapter of my life. And I'm going to keep my faith in God no matter what. Because it's easy to have faith in God in those chapters that are fun and happy and successful. It's difficult to keep our faith in God in those chapters of our lives where things are difficult and confusing and hurtful. We're going to go today to Genesis chapter 37. It's the easiest book in your Bible to find. You know, it's the first one. So you open up your Bible to the Old Testament book of Genesis chapter 37, and we discover the story of Joseph. The story of a teenage boy who early in his life experiences falling from favor. At the beginning of this chapter, we're going to find him in favor with his father. But by the end of the chapter, we're going to find him in a pit and sold into slavery by his own brothers. You talk about a plot twist. That is a plot twist. And what we can learn from the story of Joseph, we can apply to our own lives whenever we are going through these difficult chapters of our lives. Genesis 37, beginning with verse 1, we read this. Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojournings, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers, he was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. He's a tattletale. Verse 3, now Israel, that's another name for Jacob. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. The writer of Genesis wants to set the context for Joseph's story by pointing us to his father Jacob's story. He's wanting us to recognize that Joseph is a part of a larger family. 
And this family puts fun in dysfunction. You know, this family has their issues. You have to go back to Jacob. When he was young, he met a beautiful woman named Rachel and he immediately fell in love with her. The scriptures say that the first time they kissed, he wept. I don't know, that must have been a good kiss, buddy. And he wanted to marry Rachel, but Rachel's father Laban made him work for seven years to earn the hand of his daughter. But on the wedding day, Laban hoodwinked Jacob and actually married him off to his other daughter Leah, whom he didn't love. And then he makes Jacob work another seven years to earn the hand of the one he did love, Rachel. And the problem was Rachel was barren after they were married. She couldn't have children and they desperately wanted children. It became a source of tension between Jacob and Rachel. All the while, Leah's having children. All the while, Leah's maidservants are having children for him. All the while, Leah's maidservants are having children for him until eventually God answers the prayer of Jacob and Rachel and gives them a child. And his name was Joseph, which means added by the Lord that God finally gave them the answer to their prayers. And I think one of the reasons the writer of Genesis is giving us this context is because he wants us to know that the story of Joseph was part of a bigger story. The story that began all the way back with Abraham, the father of faith of the Hebrew people, all the way back to his father. And I think that's a good reminder for us today. Your story is a part of a bigger story. Your life was never just about you. It is about God writing you into history, His story, where He is up to something good in this world, and you're a part of it. Even when you don't understand it, even when you don't see it, even when you came from a broken family or a great family, you are a part of a bigger story. The problem, though, between Joseph and his ten brothers is the favoritism shown by their father. Jacob made no uh, mistake that he loved Joseph more. He was his favorite son because he was the son of his old age, the one he had prayed for and dreamed of for all those years to have with his beloved wife. And because of the favoritism, it created resentment among the brothers, the older brothers. In fact, dad gave Joseph a coat of many colors so that every time Joseph walked in the room or every time Joseph walked through the field, his brothers could not mistake the fact, here comes dad's favorite son. It was a very difficult thing indeed. And it didn't help that Joseph was a tattletale. He's 17. He caught his brothers doing something maybe they shouldn't have been doing and he runs and tells dad. That does not engender loyalty and love from your siblings, if you're going to be a tattletale. And all of us who have siblings said, Amen. <laughs> your story is a part of a bigger story. Look at verse 4. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. 
They hated him with a deep-seated hatred, and there were nothing but words of animosity and condescension and strife exchanged from the brothers to Joseph. They hated him. And Joseph made matters worse when he revealed to his brothers the dreams God had given him about what the future of this family is going to look like. He has two dreams. In the first dream, it was the dream of sheaves. He goes and he tells his brothers, hey, let me tell you this dream that God gave me. We were out binding sheaves of grain, and all of a sudden, my bundle stands up straight, and all of your bundles bow down to my bundle. And they immediately knew the interpretation of this dream, and they said, who do you think you are? Do you really think you're going to be our king? Do you think you, the runt of the litter, is going to be over us? You think you're going to reign over us? That's not how it's going to happen. And it fueled their animosity towards him. The Bible says they hated him even more. Then he tells them of his second dream that God gives him. This second dream was the dream of the sun, the moon, and the stars. The, this cluster that comes and bows down before him. Now the dream not only includes the brothers, it includes father and mother as well. And when he tells this dream to his parents, even his dad says, do you think I, the patriarch of this family, are going to bow down to you? Do you think you're going to reign over me? Have you forgotten who the father is in this relationship and who the son is? And there again, sharing this dream that came from God to his brothers only fueled their hatred of him. That's why we read in Genesis chapter 37, verses 18 through 20, that when they saw him from afar, they saw Joseph from a distance, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. You thought your family was bad. Verse 19, they said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him and we will see what will become of his dreams. Here he comes. Let's kill him. And that begins the reversal of fortune in Joseph's life. When the opportunity arose, the brothers seeing him from afar plot to kill him, eliminate him, destroy his dreams, put him in a pit, put him in his place. But thankfully, rather than going through with their plans to kill him and then throw his dead body into a pit, his oldest brother Reuben rescues him and he convinces his brothers, let's throw him in the pit but let's don't kill him. Let's don't have his blood on our hands. We'll leave him for dead, but secretly he was going to come back and rescue his brother. Genesis 37, verses 23 and 24, we read these words. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. Joseph must have been stunned to have been stripped of his coat of many colors, betrayed and hated by his own brothers, and thrown in a pit left 
for dead. The brothers sit down for dinner. And then while they're eating, a caravan of Midianites or Ishmaelites comes into the horizon and they hatch the plan rather than kill our brother and have his blood on our hands, we will sell him into slavery. We'll kill an animal. We'll then dip the blood of that animal on the robe and then we'll take it home and tell dad, Joseph's dead. A wild animal killed him. All we could find is his robe. So in verse 36, we read, Meanwhile, the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. And that's how Genesis chapter 37 ends. It ends on a cliffhanger. With Joseph having gone from favor to a pit, into slavery, into a foreign land. And we don't know what the next chapter holds for him. I don't know about you, but I think this is a pretty bad chapter in Joseph's life. Don't you? I think it's a pretty ugly and painful chapter in Joseph's life. And one of the things that makes this chapter and so many of the chapters of Joseph's life painful is that God never directly shows up. God never directly speaks it's as if God is absent, although we know because we've got hindsight. We know the story. God is never absent. He may be hidden from our view, but He is always at work. And listen, the way this chapter ends on a cliffhanger with Joseph not knowing what the next chapter of his life is going to be like is how you live your life. So often we don't know what's going on in this chapter of our lives, much less what's going to happen tomorrow. We struggle to make sense of it. And rather than throwing up our hands and giving up our faith, we need to ask the question, why would God allow me to go through this dark chapter of my life? Because God doesn't always do the bad things and the painful things that happen in our life or our world, but He sovereignly allows those things and He can even use those things. What is God up to? Why would God use difficult days and chapters of our lives? Well, listen, if you know anything about literature, you know that any good story is going to be a story that is filled with rising tension and crisis. Any good story, is there's going to emerge an antagonist. I mean, you think about the, the stories that we love. What would, who is Batman without the Joker or the Riddler? Who is Superman without Lex Luthor or Kryptonite? Who is Spider-Man without the Green Goblin? Who's Moses without Pharaoh? Who is, who is Daniel without the lion's den? Who is Jesus without the cross of Calvary? Every good story is going to have tension and an antagonist. Pain and problems. And that's the way all of our lives are. We're going to face problems or we're going to face problem people. In our lives. And in those moments, in those chapters of our lives, we have to remember my story is a part of a bigger story. And the story of my life is greater than this chapter of my life. That I'm not going to give up. 
And one of the things that God is doing in this momentary chapter of our lives is He is building our faith and giving us an opportunity to face the crisis with faith in Him. This chapter ends on a cliffhanger. We don't know how Joseph is going to respond. Is Joseph going to say, I give up on God. God's the one who gave me these dreams. And now all of my dreams have been dashed on the rocks of reality. Is he going to give up on God saying, if my earthly father thinks I'm dead, I must be dead to my heavenly father as well. Otherwise, I wouldn't be in this pit. How is Joseph going to respond? Is he going to say, there's no hope for tomorrow. I give up. There's nothing good that's going to happen tomorrow. Is he going to give in to depression and despair? And we don't know until we go to the next chapter. But maybe the reason the writer of Genesis leaves this cliffhanger here is because he wants us to sit in this moment and he wants us to wrestle not with Joseph's life and how he might respond, but he wants us to wrestle with our lives when we're in the middle of a painful chapter and how we're going to respond. Are we going to give up on God? Are we going to get discouraged? Are we going to quit? Are we going to lose hope? Or are we going to stand on the truth that the story of my life is bigger than this chapter of my life. I don't minimize this chapter. I don't ignore this chapter of my life. I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm not going to medicate my pain. I'm not going to act like everything is fine. This chapter is painful and it's hard and it's difficult. But this is just the chapter. It is not the totality or the summary of my life. God is still at work even when I can't see him. And he is still on the throne. And he is still able to bring good out of even the bad of my life. And one day, in hindsight, I'm going to look back. And I'm going to see how God was at work. That's the way life typically is. It's only in hindsight that we see the hand of God. We sometimes in our modern American Christianity want to have thrills and chills running up and down our spine every time we come to church and we expect a miracle in the moment that we ask for it and we expect God to show up in dramatic ways. But most often in the lives of God's people, it's in the mundane day in and day out, ups and downs, victories and defeats, successes and tragedies, that God shows Himself strong. And we can then look back and see where God has led us. Some of you are struggling and you're ready to give up. You're ready to throw in the towel. You're ready to say, I'm not sure if even coming to church and reading my Bible is worth it anymore. And you're at this cliffhanger and we're wondering, how are you going to respond? My prayer is you're going to respond by remembering and declaring that the story of my life is greater than this chapter of my life. There's a great verse. It's not on the screen, but it is in your Bible. It's Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And here's your homework this week to apply this message to your life. Because I want you to come back next week. Oh, and by the way, I just want to go ahead and warn you. It doesn't get any better next week in Joseph's life. It actually goes from bad to worse. So you need to come back and you need to walk with Joseph through his story because there's a lot that you can learn about your own story as you look at him. But your homework for this week 
is to find Romans chapter 8, verse 28 in your New Testament. And with your own hand and your own pen or pencil, write that verse out and keep it somewhere that you're going to see it this week. And I want you to not just print it. That's the easy way out. I'm going to copy and paste and print. If you're like me, it'll look better than your handwriting. But there's something powerful about you taking your own hand and your own pen and writing out the Word of God. Because now you're using your senses, your eyesight, your hand. And then I want you to say it out loud. Now you're using your voice and your hearing. And I want you to keep it somewhere that you're going to see it. Because you're going to need to remember that verse which says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to His purpose. That verse does not say all things in your life are good. It's not what it says. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. He said, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. You're on the winning side. No, Romans chapter 8, verse 28 does not say all things are good. It says we know that God can make all things work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to His bigger story, His purpose for your life. You're going to need that this week. I promise you. And the reason I know is because I need this. Ryan and others know what it's like to preach. Any preacher who is worth his salt cannot preach to you what he's not first preached to himself. And I can't communicate to you what God has not first communicated to me. And I can tell you, I've needed this reminder in my life this week. And I think you do as well. But here's the good news. I don't know what you're going through right now, but you can mark it down. The story of your life is greater than this chapter of your life. Maybe today for the first time you need to place your faith and your confidence in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Let's pray together. Maybe you'll do that. Heavenly Father, in the stillness of this moment, we thank you and praise you for this reminder from the story of Joseph, from the real life example of Joseph, that the story, the bigger picture of our lives is bigger than the momentary chapter that we find ourselves in. We don't minimize this chapter. We don't ignore it. We don't excuse it. We face it head on. But we do so with confidence in you that there's a bigger story, there's a purpose, there's meaning to life beyond this present struggle or broken relationship or sickness or grief or financial difficulty. And we don't know how, but we know you are able and will bring good out of all things. Because we love you and you have a purpose for us. We thank you and praise you for that. So God, renew our hearts. 
Renew our spirit of dedication. Renew our commitment to You and renew our submission to Your Holy Spirit in our lives. God, if there's someone in this place or someone listening or watching right now who's never received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, I pray that in this moment they would place their confidence in the One who died on a bloody cross to pay the punishment for their sin, who rose from the dead on the third day, and who promises, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God, I pray they'll let me know that they've made this decision to trust Jesus today. And we praise You that the story of our lives is greater than this chapter of our lives. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.